I'm Kate Daniels. Dr. Susanna Stoika began her career in computer engineering, which was quite relevant to her self-healing a brain injury later down the road. And life in all its marvel led her to focus on healing practices for others and to write books about this as well. Today, we're going to be discussing her work, her cookbooks, and the book Healing with a Loving Heart. Dr. Susanna Stoika, good morning. How wonderful to welcome you back once again. Nice to be back with you. I am looking forward to our discussion. As am I. We had such a stimulating and really relevant conversation uh, in the summer, just a few months back when things were quite different, at least uh, seasonally. Now here we are into the fall and here on the West Coast, we're getting quite nippy. But where you are, you're just enjoying fall colors, apparently. Yes, it's absolutely beautiful. If you ever decide to come to Michigan, uh, try coming around October 10, October 20th. It's absolutely fantastic. You have all the colors from green to yellow to orange to red to deep red to absolutely fantastic. And every day is changing. And isn't it wonderful to have that surrounding you when we're still in the midst of this epidemic and things can feel so negative or down at least, and then you look around you and see all this beauty? Yeah, nature tells you that it's a, it's a light and the end of the tunnel. Yes, exactly, that uh, the world is still evolving and eventually this epidemic will pass as well, correct? Absolutely. Right. Well, if we, we are smart and, and uh, protect ourselves so the virus doesn't have new holes to grow in. Indeed. And we're seeing at this point that it's beginning to kind of perk up a bit. And the cold weather apparently is something that uh, is nurturing to this virus. So we need to be aware that that's the case. And... Uh, Last time when we talked, one of the really good recommendations you had was an exercise with breathing. Maybe we should remind people about that. Yes, uh, breathing is very important. It's very important for to ke- keep healthy as well as to improve uh, your brain function, believe it or not. What breathing, does, deep breathing does, the correct deep breathing, which means pushing your belly out when you inhale and pushing it back in when you exhale and inhaling through the nose, push out your belly, then wait a little bit, push back your belly and exhale through through your mouth. If you do that 10 times, several times a day, you will find yourself calmer with a clearer mind. And because you oxygenate your body, your energy field is stronger, which means you are more resistant to being infected. So it's cheap, it's readily available, and it can be done. It doesn't take too much time. And it doesn't cost us anything in terms of, of dollars and cents, except really helps us to be healthy, which ultimately will, will help those dollars and cents as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think the uptick in uh, in uh, COVID infections is because people are tired of hearing about COVID and uh, 
are lax about uh, wearing masks, uh, washing their hands, uh, the usual protections, which is bad because uh, you want the virus not to have a host. So you want to protect yourself so not to offer a host because uh, people can have uh, no symptoms and still carry the coronavirus. So we need to really be thinking in terms of the greater good rather than feeling like, oh, I'm tired of this thing. I just don't want to wear a mask anymore. Or, I'm tired of staying away from people. I want to be out uh, socializing. Yeah, uh, actually, the way to think about it, uh, the way I think about it is I want to be healthy. I don't want to get it. So people react much better to something that is beneficial for them. So think about the fact that you don't want to get this virus. You don't want to go through the misery of having high fever and having problems with breathing and all that. So think about yourself. You don't want to get it. And if you don't get it, it's one less person on the statistics. Yes, absolutely. And to just practice patience. I know it's not a quality that is uh, really very common in our lives in, in these last uh, in the last decade or even longer. We're such an instant gratification society. I think we need to really take a look at this differently in that way. Yes, uh, unfortunately, we are conditioned for fast results. That is part of uh, the industrial revolution of the assembly line, when people got started to get things very fast. Everything got automated. So we want medication so that you can have the symptoms uh, disappear fast. But we don't think about why does it the illness happens. So we don't have the patients to go on alternatives and get rid of the real root cause of our illness. And with this COVID, actually the best uh, way to deal with it is to take care of our health, have a strong immune system, and don't get it. So uh, have patience a little bit more and be a contributor to uh, not getting it, not spreading it. Exactly. Because we we know that the people who have had it, when they survive, and, and thank God for those who do, but the numbers who haven't is, is really tragic. But the process, I mean, the hospitalization, the, the, the impact on the body, and then it has those lasting effects. It's not like you get over it and, and everything is, you're back to 100%. Yeah, actually, I had somebody who was uh, on ventilator for two weeks, and uh, she was so weak because they keep people uh, uh, kind of knocked out when they are on uh, ventilator because it's very unpleasant. She was so weak that she has to go to a, a rehab in order to regain her uh, strength in her uh, feet and arms. But even after that, months later, she could hardly move from her bed to a table which was close by to eat, and the food was delivered. And I was able to, to put her back on her feet in three days. 
because the reason uh, she couldn't function was because her whole immune system was down because the whole energy circulation wasn't right. So once you fix that, the body recaptures its capability of self-healing, and she was able to uh, function normally. Actually, after the third session, she, uh, I was asking her, aren't you better uh, the next day because I didn't hear from her? She says, yeah, yesterday I realized that I was all day cleaning and I, at the end of the day, I said, oh, my God, I am normal again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so fortunate for people in your surrounding area in Michigan uh, to be able to have access to you and the energy healing. We can help ourselves, I think, to a degree by being at least conscious of this. And when we were talking in this last summer, we we had a conversation. We were talking about this in terms of your newest book, Healing with a Loving Heart, uh, Discover the Power of Energy Healing. And with that, that's going to give us at least some insights and awareness on how we can do some of this our, our own self, would you say? Yes, yes. Uh, actually, I work at a distance, even with people who live very close by. I uh, don't work in person. Ah. I uh, work using uh, the uh, person's uh, pictures. I let them know what I need, and then we agree on a time when uh, they are going to be relaxed for about an hour, and I do my job. That is fascinating. I did see something on your website um, that indicated that that you, someone had supplied you with a picture. And so this this is something that you could do with anyone anywhere in the country or around the world. Around the world, actually. <laughs> and you do work around the world. Yes. The story I told you was with somebody in uh, Europe. Ah, so yeah, it doesn't matter from energetic point of view. It doesn't matter if you are uh, close by or far away. I have uh, people who I worked with who were here uh, a few streets away, uh, or uh, people in Europe or Middle East or in Australia. Uh, energetically, the intent counts. So if the intent is to help somebody far away, it works. And it's very interesting. I used to work uh, one-on-one in person with people, and I found that distance working is actually more effective. And the reason for it is that people are so wowed by what they feel during the session that they start uh, commenting to me. And when they start commenting, it interrupts my my uh, focus. So when they are far away, they are more relaxed. They can do whatever they want as long as it's relaxing. And I do my work much better. That is so fascinating. And 
so interesting. And so it is something that to, to keep in mind for ourselves that this is very possible. If someone is intrigued and, and or has a situation for themselves or someone that they know, uh, how would they contact you about this, Dr. Stoika? Uh, through my website. It's very easy. It's uh, healingbraininjury.com. Right. And that there's a wealth of information. We can find all the books, as we were just uh, mentioning, Healing with a Loving Heart. Um, and we want to talk about the Heal Your Brain book today. But also, as uh, before we started this conversation, you were noting to me that you have your uh, series of five cookbooks, which are so relevant, I th- just to life in general and can apply to anything that is going on. Let, let's touch on that a bit, shall we? Okay, okay. Um, the books are a series of five books with recipes that are increasingly more complicated. They are specially written for people who had brain injury. And the origin of the book is that, as you know, I had two brain injuries, traumatic brain injuries in the same day. Uh, I had two slip and falls on ice, nothing on my head. So basically one second I was standing and the next second I was on my back. And uh, it was one hour apart. So by the time I had the second one, I couldn't speak any of the languages I I speak. I couldn't remember words in uh, any of the languages I I was uh, dazed, of course, and uh, the shock was so uh, big that the pain started two days later. And uh, luckily, by the time I had my brain injury, I uh, had experience for about 15 years working with people with brain injuries. And to my surprise, that was something that was very easy for me. And uh, when I had my brain injury, my family was very upset that I wasn't cooking because they liked my cooking so much. They refused to go to restaurants. And uh, they kept complaining. So I decided I had to find a way to cook again. And I had to find a different way from the normal cooking because when you take a normal recipe... The recipe assumes that you know certain things. But in the case of somebody who has brain injury, for example, making the connection between the name carrot and the actual physical thing, it's a problem. Also, it's a big problem to follow steps. And if somebody has brain injury, it's bound to repeat steps or forget steps. So my book is written especially for people with brain injuries, and the reason is more and more complicated because it's a it's a teaching tool. So the book, can, uh, interestingly, can be used by somebody who never cooked in their life and want to read, to learn the easy way how to cook, and by somebody who had brain injury. And there is a series of five books. By the end of the fifth book, you really are able to cook very complicated things. And what was interesting about it is that in the effort to put these uh, recipes out, 
I, I had to recook them to make sure that all the ingredients that I was recommending are still available on the market. And I found myself being able to uh, think better, clearer, and I went in the process from cooking one uh, dish a day with buying the stuff I needed for the cooking the day before to being able to cook multiple dishes on the same day, which was a big step forward. So it really works, as I saw from my experience and from the experience of other people who commented. Um, in fact, a rehab center here in town was very excited about the book because they said, oh, finally something to help us. So uh, it really works, and it works in for one of the very important things that people have to learn after a brain injury, the sequencing, the step-by-step work. So is it then the process that is the healing aspect of it, or is it the foods themselves, the ingredients that are making a difference? That's a good point because it's a process of he, uh, it's a uh, When one has brain injury, one loses self-esteem. So this is yet, uh, cooking is yet another thing that they can to do. Also, uh, when I had my brain injury, in the matter of about two or three months, I gained 25 pounds because of the effects of the brain injury. Uh, and uh, many people uh, gain uh, weight, some because of the brain injury itself, others because of the deep depression they fall into. Also, in order to recover from brain injury, you need good, nutritious food. Uh, typically, if you go to a restaurant, if the, even if the most expensive ones, they are heavy on fats and salt, which are not good for, for the brain. So uh, the book is not only a book of recipes and the, in a way that people can cook again, but also they are healthy recipes. So it helps people to naturally drop the weight, the excess weight they gain. And uh, all the recipes in every book are classified according to relative complexity, as well as uh, if they have any of the allergens um, and uh, relative uh, calorie count, as well as uh, glycemic index, which tells you how strongly somebody reacts if they have a problem with processing sugar. So it sounds like this series of books is, these cookbooks, is really beneficial for probably a, a large part of the population because brain injury, traumatic brain injury, is not a small thing. There are so many ways that it's occurring in our society and people are suffering and really their life is being limited by this. Uh, one of the big problems, actually, with brain injury is that most of them, from my experience, from what I have seen around me, probably 80% of the brain injuries are not even known. So the person has uh, problems 
that they assume it's either because they are not uh, sharp mentally or uh, they are lazy and actually are brain injuries that are never uh, detected because maybe they had an, an injury in their childhood and no one thought that it's a problem. They let uh, the person sleep it off. But once we get older, the effects of it start popping up, especially when we are under stress. So if people eat the way uh, this book uh, teaches them to eat, it's beneficial, even if you didn't have a brain injury. Because it really is healthy ingredients, so it's going to help us to be healthier. It's going to, no doubt, boost the immune system. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the first thing that uh, the book uh, talks about is some salad, so greenery and uh, um, raw stuff, which has additional enzymes, which are very beneficial for the neural transmission. So the books are available at, at your website. We can see the whole series of different books. It shows the the series of five cookbooks that you've just created. So all of that, we can get all the details, the information. And then I think we don't purchase them at the website. Just ask for them maybe at your favorite local bookstore or buy them online. You can buy them online at Amazon.com or you can go to Barnes & Noble and order them. Terrific. So definitely something to do for ourselves. Uh, it may be that we are suffering with a brain injury. Uh, maybe, as you said, so many people have it undiagnosed and we know that something's off but don't know what. Maybe it's a friend, a family member something to be aware of and recommend people get seek some help. But here is a great solution by f- eating properly. Yes, uh, and that is uh, valid even if you don't have brain injury. Right. You want to eat healthy. Isn't it easier to eat healthy than to have a, a load of medication? Typically, a person who is uh, past their 60s will have a ton of medication which they are fed. Isn't it better to be preventive or even if we are already on medication to to try to get healthier? Without question. It is, it to me, it's frightening to think of, uh, it, you know, you get into series of medications, two or more, and uh, you start being a laboratory for who knows what or whom. Yeah, I read somewhere actually that uh, uh, after three, uh, if people have more than three medications that are given to a certain person, the doctors don't even know what side effects to expect because it's impossible for the pharmaceutical companies to, to test all the drugs in all the combinations. It's not possible. Precisely. So that is something for us to really be conscious of if we are taking medications to to limit it and then to look for these natural ways to be able to bring healing and strength to our body. Yes, walking, moving, uh, 
interacting with people, even if now it's on Zoom or FaceTime, it's really important. And breathing. You know, all these are very easy to do. Thank God we have FaceTime can you, uh, and uh, Zoom. Can you ex- <laughs> imagine what life w- would have been uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago when we didn't have all, any of those if we would have this pandemic? The 1918 pandemic it was much more difficult to get through because people really lost contact. Right. And, and that contact is, is so critical, uh, and, and yet to do it in such a way that is safe. And as you say, we have, we have these Zoom uh, ways of uh, connecting with each other and FaceTime and all those sorts of things. So take advantage of that in conjunction with these other very important things like the breathing uh, a natural thing to do, but to do it in such a way that really makes a, a positive impact on us. Yeah, and walking. What is easier than walking? Yes. You know, keep moving. Keep keep your. Uh, the more you move, the more you you eliminate your toxins. The more you oxygenate your body. It's it's very important this time. More important than usual. So definitely pay attention to these very easy-to-do things that don't have any cost associated with them because dollars and cents are are really a critical thing these days when so many people are, are left um, not working or on very limited income. So to have ways to keep ourselves healthy is... Uh, it's totally beneficial on many levels. Yeah. Yeah. So this book, Heal Your Brain, Reclaim Your Life, How to Recover and Thrive After Concussion. And so you touched on how there are so many people that have a brain injury that have no awareness of it. I mean, you had these falls, two in succession, but you didn't hit your head, and yet you did have a brain injury. Was this because of the jostling that goes on uh, without hitting the head, the brain still shakes within the head? No, I I actually hit my head very hard on on cement. Ah, okay. But the injury, I hit hit the back of my head and I had a serious injury to my frontal lobe because of the jostling of the brain inside the skull. And it was, in a way, funny uh, with a frontal brain injury, you know, that you don't have the filter of what is proper to say or to do. So I would tell everybody what I really thought about them (laughs) and then realize and be mortified what I said. (laughs) (laughs) After that, I learned to count your 10 before saying anything for a long time. So it's interesting, you had this awareness, so even though there was the brain injury, there was a way that you could adjust and adapt to it. Oh my God, I had so many adaptive things that I did, because I didn't have anyone around me to advise me what was right for brain injury, and because of that, I re-injured myself. I was all alone in in, uh, managing my brain injury because no one around me understood it. 
In fact, my own mother was saying, just get yourself together. There is nothing wrong with you because it's not visible. That's one of the very painful parts of brain injury. People don't see blood, don't see a broken bone, and they assume everything is fine with you. While you cannot function, you really cannot function. And the more you force yourself to function, the more injury, additional injury you have to your brain. And the reason for it is that the major injury after you hit your head is the swelling, which is called the secondary brain injury. And when you are forcing yourself to function, actually you generate more inflammation, more swelling, hence more damage. So it is very important when somebody has brain injury to let them rest as much as possible. So this, we're at a point where we're into some very interesting and fascinating and important information, and then it seems our time together has wound up. So I think what that means is we need to be prepared to do another conversation, if you're willing. Absolutely. I would like to help as many people with my experience as possible. That is my deepest wish. And I decided that when I was at the lowest point in my brain injury, when I I was completely lost and uh, I thought I will never recover, I kicked myself and I said, yes, you are going to recover using your experience with other people. And then you are going to write a book about how to recover and what are the real useful things somebody can do. And that was the origins of the book, Heal Your Brain, Reclaim Your Life. And then came all the others as well. Well, we will continue having conversations. I really am so grateful to you, to your knowledge, to your desire to share it with all of us. Thank you so greatly, Dr. Susanna Stoika. Thank you so much.